up? This is Neha here and I welcome you to this episode of Brain World. Today with us we have a very special guest and I'm honestly excited for this episode. I had a blast recording it and I hope you all enjoy it as much as I love recording it. So, let's go. So, hi. Hi Angel. It's so nice to have you on here and I'm really excited for this episode, honestly. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've I've been looking forward to it since we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. So um, <laughs> yeah, me too. So, so yeah, I'll introduce tell me more myself. about yourself. Tell you. Yeah, yeah of course. Do. So um, so yeah, my name is uh, well, um, my name is pronounced Angel Nava, but a lot of people do call me Angel. So um, either way, I'm gonna but, call um, you Angel. Angel. Yeah. Angel, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so Angel. Yeah. Angel. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um. But um, yeah, so I am a physics, uh, oh, sorry, cut off there. So I'm a physics grad <laughs> student at the moment. I'm a second year um, working on my PhD. Um, so my background, my undergrad was in mechanical engineering. I actually switched into physics after um, graduating. I worked as an engineer for a couple of years and I got a little bored and I always enjoyed the theoretical part of engineering, but I didn't get to dig into it deep enough in my undergrad. So that's why I got really attracted into physics and I just developed a love for it. So, um, yeah, currently I'm working in um, theoretical nuclear um, physics. So I am studying the strong force um, through quantum chromodynamics mm -hmm. and um, well, at the very uh, present, I'm working on a lot of like uh, fellowship proposals so I can fund myself because uh, we'll talk more about like the bad parts of that <laughs> a little bit, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, so that's a quick synops synopsis of what I'm up to and who I am. So, okay, for the ones uh, who don't know, Anhil actually put on a real funny meme which is about quantum mechanics and it stuck a chord with many audiences. I mean, many, a lot of people on Twitter. So I yeah. think Anhil memes are a way of expressing yourself through, you know, the pain that academia brings us because right. it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah, sure. I, I think I, it's a way of uh, making yourself feel better when you're down, yeah. especially academic memes. And I just got to know about them like recently because I was like, okay, so this is a thing. And yeah, me too. Twitter is, yeah, Twitter is full of it. So you, be, so you see people, you know, posting shit. And you're like, okay, academic memes is a thing where you can be like, okay, I'm going to put my whole anger into a meme and that's going to make people laugh. So right. I think, yeah, so that just brings on so much of, you know, people relate to memes, people relate to the anger. I think especially mm. people of color, people who the academic sector wasn't made for. Mm -hmm. I think even you are a person of color. So I think you understand how it is to be marginalized in a you know community where you weren't made, you weren't supposed to be there in the first place. I mean, right. it's the same for me, being not being a boy, especially here in my country, but there you have right. colorism, you have racism and stuff. So mm -hmm. what what is the scene up there like when it comes to academia? What's the scene right there? Like in, in the U.S.? Um, so I guess it varies from um, school to school as well. Um, I happen to be in a school in Houston, and mm -hmm. it happens to be one of the more diverse schools. Um, mm -hmm. However, I, I am the only um, 
minority that's an American as well. Half of our class is uh, international students. Um, okay. So that's a good thing. But I do yes. happen to be the only minority that's American, which is kind of weird. Because um, <laughs> okay. it's like I don't fully relate to like the other Americans, right? And yeah. at the same time, I don't quite fully relate to the international students unless I, uh, uh, although I do get along with them a little better. Um, most of my friends have been the international <laughs> students but yeah it, it's it's um it's pretty diverse um um or, or more diverse than other schools i would say but it's still like not the best situation right mm -hmm. so i think the discrimination is mostly in the light schools the light institutions which are predominantly white where mm -hmm. people of color when they get in they face the problems that white students don't and yeah that is that is a huge issue yeah if we come yeah if we talk about it i mean here it's more about boys being good at things i'm not good at things per se it's more about boys can do it better than you can and right. i've always i've always like um had a problem when it came to proving myself i had to work harder i still yeah. have to in order to make an impression and i think that sucks <laughs> about academia because you have to constantly prove yourself that you can do much better and that you're worth it actually in the first place right yeah that's yeah well i'm mm -hmm. sorry you've been through that i've experienced similar things mm -hmm. um, obviously not due to my gender but because of like uh, i don't know sometimes it's hard it's like you you wonder if it's so there's a lot of self um imposed um mm -hmm. also yes. stress right because like you're representing a group and exactly um, yeah it, it takes its toll i mean we're all just human right and like none of us is better mm -hmm. or worse than others so it, it is hard it's a lot of stress to put on an individual yes exactly and you have to make sure that you put on the right subject because you're basically walking on eggshells you have to make sure yeah. that you do all things right because doing anything wrong can make sure you know i don't know people people make their opinions quite fast they're like okay so he did this or they did that and i'm going to make my opinion on that so <laughs> it's so much of pressure put on you so i yeah. uh, what uh, tell me more about your research i think i want to know more about your research <clears throat> okay yeah so um i'm actually kind of new in this field um so mm -hmm. um i've been in academia or in in grad school life for a little more than a year and i've, I've just started my second year right um and I've kind of jumped around in groups because funding has kind of been an issue. Um, I, I did post about this a little while ago in tw on Twitter. Um, the beginning of the summer, I was actually told that I wasn't going to have the funding that I had expected, right? So it was a, it was a stressful yeah. period. But at mm -hmm. that time, I was in biophysics. Um, and yeah. so I've jumped around from like biophysics to like quantum information. And like now I'm in... Um, quantum chromodynamics like uh okay. studying like the strong force right um mm -hmm. and so i'm still learning about it but i'll tell you what i know so um <clears throat> the idea <laughs> is uh we're basically studying uh how had hadronization happens right so um mm -hmm. the theory we have now of hadrons um is that they are composed of quarks right and so there is a period in our universe universe's development where they were all the quarks were free 
and they, mm-hmm. there is basically a, a quark gluon plasma um, at a very high temperature, right? And mm-hmm. at some point in the universe, after it cooled off enough, um, they became bound into mm-hmm. states such as like um, protons and neutrons. But there's a certain transition that happens kind of like, um, it's very similar to the phase diagram of water, right? So like mm-hmm. you have um, a liquid form and then a gas form and the transition phases or like the, the, the boundaries of those phases are um, well understood theoretically, like why it's at that certain temperature or pressure. But we don't really know why um, hadronization happens when it does. We've developed face diagrams for these uh, f- um, different forms of matter, but we don't have a theory on why um, it happens, right? Uh, QCD is uh, kind of a phenomenolo- phenomenological um, approach mm-hmm. to it. And so oh. what I'm doing is very computational. We basically create like a a space-time lattice that's been quantized and then we run uh, simulations to um, changing the temperature and seeing Mm -hmm. how that affects the entire lattice right Um, but yeah I'm still kind of learning about it but uh, hopefully that's uh, a good uh, breakdown (laughs) of it. Mm -hmm. I think that gave us all a very nice idea of what you do. Okay so is it more of a theoretical project or a practical project. I think the simulations make it a more theoretical project. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's it's in the theoretical side of things. Um, we work really closely with um an experimental group that mm-hmm. has a lot of. I think they man a section of uh the Large Hadron Collider, uh, CERN. Mm-hmm. So we work pretty closely with them, but we are more on the theoretical side of things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds wonderful. And yeah. um. There's one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, considering you're a grad student. Um, mm-hmm. I think getting into the getting into a grad school, it's a lot of work, considering mm-hmm. you have to put on together a huge profile, as in, you yeah. know, the transcripts, the whole business. And considering it's GRE season, I see many students posting about how hard it is and how expensive GRE is. So yeah. I think that causes a huge amount of stress for people who want to apply to grad school but they don't have the funding to do so because obviously GRE isn't cheap so what are your thoughts about it so yeah of course I I honestly also stand very closely to what you said right um it 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 does come off as a form of gatekeeping because a lot of individuals cannot afford it or cannot spend the time studying for the GRE uh, get kept out of you know whatever schools they're wanting to apply to and the test is very biased towards like um, a certain demographic right it's not necessarily yes what sense so so we've I've read a lot of like studies on um, it's more biased towards like your class and your uh, race right so if you happen to be white, you do a little better than people that are not, right? So um, in that sense, a lot of schools have started to drop it, right? Because it's not an objective measure of any sort of intelligence. It just is um, a Mm -hmm. large cash grab, right? So so yeah, it it was a little hard for me to do that too. But um, I did pretty well on it because I was able to like find some resources at the public library and 
just studied some of the test material but mm-hmm. uh, it did take a lot of time and it was stressful um mm-hmm. so yeah i i don't like that it's a thing <laughs> i wish we had a better <laughs> yeah. way to, to yeah, you right. know do that yeah I was really happy when Stanford, which is like one of the most elite school in the world, uh, mm. decided to drop the GRE yeah. for physics because I and in as in, <clears throat> it's a it's a completely written paper, right? Or do you have mm-hmm. any? So how does racism and how does you know gatekeeping come into effect when we talk about it being just a written paper? As in, are you being tested? Uh, like, you know. Is it like uh, completely based on the writing on the thing that you write? Because, mm. <laughs> because that's honestly a bit mind-boggling considering how you're writing something and then you're being judged on your race. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that, that, that yeah, is that, hard because um, mm-hmm. I, well, I didn't take the physics GRE. I took the, the regular one um, mm-hmm. and that's just on a computer. But there was a like essay portion and... Um, yeah, I, I think that is hard, right? Because um, especially if you're a minority and like, for example, I grew up speaking Spanish at home, right? Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so like, it's very hard to be criticized. I, I mean, like, even even if like, I don't know how much of an accent I have still, but I I think I did a lot of work to, to get rid of my accent growing you up. You seem pretty Americanized. In my opinion, you seem pretty Americanized. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, and that's that's been a, a point of kind of like sadness lately mm-hmm. because, um, you know, my parents are uh, immigrants and I'm first generation. So mm-hmm. growing up, I felt a lot of like, it felt very out of place, right? Like at home it's a certain mm-hmm. culture and then at school it's a different culture and you just want to fit in right as a kid you don't really know about all these like structures and systemic like oppression you're just trying to like survive school right and so <laughs> yeah. um i think at some point i got very aware of like any accent that i had and i like consciously tried to like be better about it and like and like now that i'm older and i recognize all these like things i'm kind of like sad that i did that right but it's like because it's kind of like violence against your identity right you, you're mm-hmm. you're you're being forced to change to be treated fairly or i mean like or to just like, fit in maybe right to just fit in yeah and i because... i think that's also a survival thing right like um exactly. even in, yeah. in school like people just don't take you seriously if you have an accent sometimes right and like mm-hmm. um yeah. so yeah it's yeah. it's hard yeah it it is and i think as a first generation student myself it's like you have so much to do uh, because i think my parents they are they aren't as educated as one expects i mean they are just like i don't know how to put it uh 10th grade they studied to the 10th grade and mm-hmm. for them i think i represent something more that some something can be done and that and you know, it puts a lot of pressure on you because it comes yeah. from the family, it comes mm-hmm. from the school, and you yeah. have to, and you have to sort of juggle it because you have to yeah. make sure that you don't don't disappoint anybody. And as a first generation student, it's more stressful than you having generations of people, you know, just passing through the universities and getting doctorates and stuff. Right. So nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about how hard it is to be a first generation student, just mm-hmm. paving your way through because you're new to it yourself because there was right. nobody to guide you. 
I mean, there mm-hmm. was nobody for me. And I had to, you know, just find my way through it. It was as if somebody had put a cloth on my eyes and they were like, you know, you have to find your own way. And yeah. I did that. I'm still doing that. <laughs> and it's completely hard. Yeah, um, it, it is stressful because sometimes you know more than your parents even, right? And like, yeah. uh, as even as a kid in high school applying to colleges, I remember um, just feeling overwhelmed, right? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then and then you get tired as a kid, right? Because you 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 right. you went to school and you you already went through all the stress of like exams or whatever, and then you come home and you're trying to figure that out. And sometimes it's just paralyzing. I I remember there was like, and then it just feeds on itself, right? Because then then you feel bad about you not doing enough applications, but you also don't know where to start. And yeah, yeah it, it, and then it it it's carried on through grad school. So so actually, Twitter has been a really uh, a really good thing for me because it it's helped me to get in touch with other um, marginalized yes. communities yes. and and yeah. not only like lean on them for support but I also like you know sharing whatever knowledge I've um, gained because I remember how hard it was for me right mm-hmm. yeah completely <laughs> I think uh, for me I think it was pretty alone because I was the only one in my batch who wanted to actually go for research. Mm. I think I've talked about it before on Twitter as well, because there's nobody who has the mindset, uh, the same mindset as I held in my head. And I was like, you know what, I want to be different. Uh, when I discovered Twitter, when I discovered scientific academic Twitter, I was like, okay, there are people like me. And mm-hmm. I think I can relate, they can relate to my journey and I can relate to theirs. Yeah. So it has been a huge support system, yeah, and it made sure. me realize, yeah, and it made me realize that scientists don't have to work all the time. They have different facets of their life. I mean, yeah. uh, I I know that you do amazing photography. Yeah, everybody mm. who's listening to this, Anhil does amazing photography, <laughs> and I want you to tell me more about it. So yeah, please go ahead. of course. So I mean, I've always just taken pictures on my phone and like. I've never gotten into it as like an actual like full-fledged hobby, right? I don't have like a, a fancy camera or anything, but um, I do enjoy, you know, like like you said, you know, I am a scientist, but I'm a human. I'm more than that, right? So I I like just doing other things and like one of my favorite things to do while I'm like walking around in nature or anywhere is just try to see things from different perspectives, right? So um so and i like capturing interesting pictures like that and like sometimes i feel kind of embarrassed because like um i think the one i posted on twitter was like um i was in downtown houston and i stopped in the middle of the road because i thought the buildings looked really cool and i found like a a little garden in like the in between the the road right so i just stopped in front of everyone who's taking a picture but (laughs) but yeah it's just a uh, self-expression and like but um a, a yeah. small confession time i actually love that photo and it's actually the i don't know how to i think it's the uh the lock screen of my phone mm, <laughs> because okay. i love it that's so awesome much. I like, oh, yeah it is and yeah i think as a grad student uh there's so much of pressure put on you mm-hmm. and you have to make sure that it's not all about the academia it's more right. about something else as well and I know so many people who juggle things, who juggle academia with, I don't know, other personal hobbies. Like, I know a grad student who actually pole dances. That's cool, I guess. 
and it, and it's really important for you to have if you just do your career in in grad school you'll get burnt out right like and i love mm-hmm. physics i i love it a lot i mean i wouldn't be getting a phd if i didn't love it right but <laughs> academia just has a way of like putting so many obstacles in front of what you love I I, it's bizarre to me right so so -hmm. you have to find other outlets and and that's one of the things that I like to do just um I'll take the metro into downtown and just bike around and find um interesting shots or just I like looking at the buildings like um looking up right like a lot Mm -hmm. of the people are and, and I like being around people right like especially people that are just alive and just doing what they do, right? Like not in academia because academia can be a pretty soul-crushing place sometimes. So (laughs) I like going out to like and just studying in bars or like in Mm -hmm. clubs and like just I'm not much of a dancer, but I like watching people and like being around people that are just alive, right, and and enjoying life. So um, Mm -hmm. photography is a way of like capturing those feelings, right? even just so you can come back and reflect on them after uh after the fact at some point when you're like feeling depressed or sad Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so uh, yeah that that can be understood because i think just focusing on one thing can just make your mind go like okay i need a break because come on we're only human and having a hobby is so much so important because you're you're at your PhD for like I don't know one is at the PhD for like I don't know four or five years I don't know what the amount is there but over here we have it. It's the years. same, yeah. It's four and four to five years. Yeah, maybe so more. How, yeah, <laughs> how do you expect yourself to survive if you don't have anything else to do but academia? You kind of mm-hmm. touched on it too, right? Like uh, another great part of Twitter is like dispelling those myths of scientists just being cold exactly. individuals who don't do anything but science right and and yeah. I think we talked about it too in relation to memes right um memes yeah. are so good for that because you know a lot of the time these ideas just stay in our ivory towers of academia right they don't come out into society and mm-hmm. as a a person of color that's very important to me because if if it hadn't been for my love of books or the library, I might not have ever discovered physics, right? But memes open that world up and make it accessible to a lot more people. And just being yourself on Twitter is a, like a radical political act too, right? Like both of us, you and me, because we represent to our um, to communities that are like us that you know physics isn't just one group of people and there's not only one group of people that can do it right like just you being there opens a path for a lot of people and like I'm very um passionate about that right because like Mm -hmm. I said uh, I kind of feel like I got lucky um stumbling onto physics no one my parents never knew about it like I never really was exposed to it at least in a way that told me like you know this is something you can do it was mm-hmm. just something that like I picked up as a hobby and I began to love a lot so I taught myself like a lot of the things I needed <laughs> yeah. to know so so it, I think it's important to just just be yourself in Twitter right like I, I, I mean that's why I was so honored that you asked me to be on your uh, <laughs> podcast because like you're, you're honestly um, like someone I look up to right because you 
uh, I remember we met on Twitter a while ago and, yes. you know, yeah. I just love how you express yourself and like how, I mean, even this, right, you're, you're starting a podcast so early and you just had the like fierceness and like the fearlessness to go for it. And I, I'm proud <laughs> of that. I, I'm, I'm very, very much look up to that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I think um, when I came onto Twitter, honestly, it was just an account for parody. It was a parody mm-hmm. account for, I guess, you know, the Desi culture that I grew up, grew up in, because I think that the whole world has stereotyped how Desi people, as in brown people like me, behave like. And I was like, I don't want that opinion to be, I don't want that opinion to stick on me. And I was like, right. no, that's not going to happen. But then I was like, you know what? I do physics and I want to make sure the world knows that. And the more true I was to myself, and honestly, being a queer person, studying physics and mathematics, I got DMs from so many people who were like, you know what, I'm like you and I'm happy that you're yeah. open about it. Right. And that, that sort of gave me the power to be like, okay, so I represent a group of people who are like me, but who aren't ready to accept themselves out in public. Mm-hmm. And I just started at it harder than ever. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do everything possible in order for the for people like me to be basically heard. It's yeah. hard out here. It's hard for me to be true to myself in, in the real world because come on, right. no matter how India decriminalized homosexuality and no matter how it talks about it being more open to mm-hmm. women doing things, um, basically anybody who isn't a man. So yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, but still there is a hidden, um, there's a hidden taboo on how you should be and how you shouldn't be and we're ruled by radical you know radical parties but that's another topic and i was like i don't want to be a part of the system and that and and i think the the podcast was a way of me rebelling against what i don't like Mm -hmm. a silent way but i was like yeah i think i'm gonna talk about this because i don't like it and people have been so receptive and I'm honestly so happy that you agreed to be a part because it means a lot. Yeah, it it meant a lot to me too. So I appreciate (laughs) the offer. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Anhel, what do you want to do after your PCSN? Do you want to be a researcher or are you going to choose academic path later on? Because many people, you know, just drop off academia after their PhDs. Yeah. I'm thinking about that. Uh, when I came in to do my grad school studies, I, I was very much, and I think I still want to um, stay in academia, um, <laughs> mostly because I want to like change it, right? I want to make it better and like make it more right. open to more um, demographics, more people, more, uh, right. like I just want to change it, right? It's, it's very toxic how it is. And yeah. Um, that's what makes it hard about answering, you know, if I'm going to stay or not, because um, a lot of that toxicity has been really felt by me, right? And it's been mm-hmm. put a lot of stress on me. Uh, yeah. It's 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 been hard, um, to put it like quite frankly, but I, I do, <laughs> yeah. if I could make it through it, I would love to, you know, just um, try to change it and try to like, help mm-hmm. other students who are like me and others who, you know, don't think that they can also contribute or do research or, or do science or whatever, you know, like I, I want to help 
Uh, I want to make it easier for those people and for other individuals to thrive in academia. And mm -hmm. I, I kind of have a sense of responsibility, right? Like if you see a problem, it's kind of up to you to fix it or at least try mm -hmm. it, uh, what you can. Um, I, I don't know that. Yeah, so I, I would love to be a professor. I think that's that's my dream. Um, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's hard too, because like there's mm -hmm. not a lot of spots open, right? Like mm -hmm. so... But if everything goes well, I think that would be the the goal. Um, otherwise, maybe a researcher at a lab somewhere. But I, I do want to do a lot of public outreach and like science communication. I, I hope that's something that my whatever career I end up taking, uh, I hope it allows me to do that. All right. I think you being as a person of color, because obviously no matter how diversity that is being thrown about like greater on our lives, there's mm -hmm. still a lot of, um, I don't know how to put it, but there's still a lot of uh, places where people of color aren't, you know, willingly invited into. And you being you being a part yeah. of something that has been predominantly so white yeah. and so narrowed down to, in a, in a way, yeah. to be there is a way of rebelling against it, against the system and being like, I want to be a part of the change. And right. I think that's amazing what you're doing. Because right. no matter where you go, if you're a researcher, if you're a professor, or if you do public outreach, there are kids around you who look up to you, and you, and they're like, okay, he he's doing it, and I can do it too. Yeah. Because for me, being, I think physics just, I fell in love with physics when I realized that there are women killing it, killing in the game. Yeah. As, yeah, for sure. They're doing good. They're doing good, and I was like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it too. Yeah. And honestly, that was why. I fell in love with physics. Obviously, Carl Sagan as well, but mostly because yeah, of the women. Yeah. 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 Well, if it means anything, I think you're doing so great. Like, I think you're, you have a lot of potential, and I'm so excited to, you know, be your <laughs> friend and to get a front row seat to, to that. Arthur, you're my friend. Oh my god, you don't have to say that. I'm gonna bug you more. You know oh, that. Oh, that's right? fine. I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. Do it. Yeah. So. It has been so great chatting with you and I'm so happy that you agreed to do this podcast. Yeah, anytime. I want to I make another episode with you, but that's enough for today. But I hope I catch up with you soon and we make a kick-ass podcast yeah, episode of course. again. Thank yeah, you so, so much. As soon as, 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 soon as yeah. I, you know, am established in my field and I can talk more about it, I'd be open to doing a, we'll a podcast on that. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, thank you, Neha. It was so fun. Thank